thank you. Neelands, you want to be here at 6 tonight. be a great time. They've got a product table out in the foyer. You'll get to know them. Be here this evening. I thought Dr. Jerry Passmore was going to take a lap around the building at 9.30 when they did that song. Amen. Love, love, love that. Thank you so much, the Neelands. And uh, delighted to have them here for this morning and then again tonight. Take your Bible and go with me to Acts chapter 22. And we'll begin in verse 22 in just a moment as we're making our way through this glorious uh, New Testament book, the Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Holy Spirit. As we uh, walk through there, it's good to see uh, all of you and uh, grateful for the good work, as John mentioned, going on at Warrington this week and for the several being baptized uh, down on that campus uh, this very hour. Grateful to God for that. And uh, we'll do that here. Uh, next week, beginning a week from tomorrow, we have our uh, Pensacola Campus Bible School, 3.30 this afternoon. They're having a training time, 6, 7, and 8 building, and uh, then you can come back right in here at 6 uh, for the Needlands, so don't uh, miss that. Good to have a lot of friends with us. Had several in the early service, uh, Dan Beisler and his family uh, with us today. Didn't I see Dan right down here? Wave at me, Dan. Where'd you go? Yeah, there he is, uh, our good friend going over to New Orleans to the convention. Uh, Claire, are you here? Claire Key? There's Claire and a group that was in the early service from uh, Judson College, the Judson Alumni Association. Judson was a girls' school up in Alabama, our Baptist uh, uh, denomination. It's closed now, but a group of these ladies uh, are singing the national anthem tonight down at the Wahoo's Ballpark this afternoon at the ballpark. And uh, they slipped in to be with us, and several were here early service as well. So, Claire, thank you uh, for being here as well as all the rest of you that are guests today. Thank you for coming and being in this place. A message that I've entitled, Dual Citizenship. Paul, as you know, has been preaching, and they heard his testimony. We preached it last Sunday, and we saw Paul's past, and we saw his pardon, and we saw his purpose as we walk forward. And he's just getting to the invitation, and they throw the brakes on. Because he said, I've come to the Gentiles, not just the Jews. And the Jews got upset, and we find the text. We pick it up there in Acts 22. And verse 22, you follow along as I read, because this now is the word of our great God. They listened to him up to this statement, that is, that he was going to the Gentiles. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. They want to kill him. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Then the centurion heard this. He went to the commander and told him, saying, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. And the commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, But I was actually born a citizen. Therefore those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that 
he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. The United Nations identifies 195 countries on our planet. The largest of those by way of population is China, 1.4 billion. The smallest, the Holy See, has a population of 801. And that one is pretty significant at the Holy See. America checks in at number three as far as population goes, 331 million. Well, Paul is a Roman citizen. You are a citizen of something or maybe more than one. Most of us in this room would be United States citizens, but this afternoon, our Russian congregation will meet, and there are several Russians. Then later after that, the Chinese congregation will meet on this campus, and our friends that are uh, from China will be there. I, I preached for them just a few weeks ago. I hadn't got a clue what I said. <laughs> I preached, and they said they translated. Uh, they usually fix it for you if you mess up. And then, of course, our Hispanic congregation. Uh, we've given birth to a Korean congregation. It's just down the street here. And so from varied backgrounds. But most of us that are in this service would be United States citizens. Like Paul was a citizen of Rome, we would be a citizen of America. In verses 27 28, Paul uses that word, that he is a polis. P-O-L-I-S, it is the word, we get our word city from politics also uh, comes right out of that word. He is a polis uh, of Rome, a, a citizen, a member. But Paul will go on to write that not only is he a citizen of planet earth and of Rome, that is what I call the horizontal or earthly citizenship, but he is also a citizen of heaven with a vertical relationship, vertical citizenship, if you will. And it's those two things I want us to look at this morning in this message that I entitled Dual, both horizontal and vertical citizenship. Paul was both, and so should we be. First of all, we see Paul in his horizontal citizenship. Uh, he is earthly, as we've seen in this text. He's a Roman. He had rights. Uh, he had made an appeal. And when you get to Acts 26 and verse 32, Agrippa is going to say, well, you know, Paul could have gone free, except he appealed to Rome, and to Rome he shall go. He had a right to do that, and he did it, and they shipped him off to Rome. He had Roman rights. You have, as a U.S. citizen, you have U.S. rights. And Paul writes about this citizenship. He does not just glance over it. He writes about it in Romans 13 in probably uh, the most pointed passage of Scripture about government in all of the Bible. In Romans 13, 
where Paul talks about our rights and responsibilities that the government has been given. It is in God's order that all are from God and ha- have his authority. doesn't mean they're godly, but it does mean God gives order to our culture by appointing governments. And then Paul says in verse 7, of course, that we are to render tax to whom tax, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Peter writes about that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16, 17. He picks up on it and, and, and he speaks about we should fear God and honor the king. Fear God and honor the king. He also says in that chapter, do not let your freedom that you have, do not let your liberty lead you into sinfulness. So as a citizen, there is a movement afoot in the church in the last 25, 30 years. I've had it come at me. We should say nothing in the church about government and citizenship and and that's the push I've had people say to me when you do uh, vacation Bible school that you should no longer pledge allegiance to the American flag and the Christian flag and the Bible you should do away with pledging allegiance to the flag well uh, I just want to let you know I've been here for a little while and as long as I'm here and we're doing Bible school we're going to pledge allegiance to the American flag when we have vacation Bible school Somebody's got to teach children about that. It's not a perfect place, goodness, no. But we grow up doing it. Now you can't do it in so many other places, uh, but that we learn to honor. You, you need to vote. You, you need to participate. You, you, you need to serve. I remember as a kid, I was just a lad. I was at a football game in our high school one night, and it got time for the national anthem. And I had a buddy there, and we was monkeying around, wasn't paying attention. And they started the anthem. And we just kept talking and fiddling, doing what we were. And all of a sudden, a man behind me slapped me on the side of the head. <laughs> I don't mean he thumped my ear or he just kind of tapped me. I'm here to tell you, he smacked me. It turned my head. Bam! And I turned around and looked at, I didn't know who he was. He said, young man, people died so they put that flag up that pole. When they put that flag up that pole, you stand straight, put your hand over your heart, shut up, and listen. And I said, I, I, he got my attention. Later on, I would be in the Boy Scouts, and one of the honors of being a scout in our troop was to get to be the folks that raised that flag on a Friday night for a football game. Later, I would play, of course, and being on that varsity team, we would stand there, all of us, while those other scouts would raise that flag, and we'd stand with our hand over our heart. Well, we need to learn something again about loving the nation. We, we are uh, citizens. We're just passing through, but citizens nonetheless, tax to whom tax. Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I went this week and looked up, you know, if, if you're like Paul, you were just born a citizen. But 
the captain here, he acquired it. They could buy Roman citizenship. And of course, people today come into our nation and they come uh, taking a naturalization oath. I looked up the oath. Uh, you know, Brother Sean is now become our mouthpiece. They, they let him speak down there a lot uh, when they have the naturalization ceremonies and people coming from all over the earth here in Pensacola. And when they uh, take that naturalization, Sean Deshney go. Uh, Leo Day used to go when he was here. He was the singer for years. He'd sing in six languages and whoever, wherever they were from, he'd sing and uh, do all of that. And uh, now Sean goes and speaks. They don't let him sing. I told him in Jesus' name, you don't want to do that. But uh, he's there as a representative having been South African. And now he took this. Listen to what what they have to say. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law, and that I will take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. It'd probably help every American just to read through that, know what those that are migrating are pledging to, and they're just kind of taking it for granted. We are doing the same. I just want to encourage you to love your nation today. Paul did. He shared that we all, we don't agree with everything they do. People say, well, I have a right to object. You do. And I have a right to tell you I disagree with you. That's what makes this nation wonderful. There are many places you can't object. No, sir. I was, I went to junior college on a scholarship and a half. I made money going to school. I had a full scholarship plus a half. I had an athletic scholarship playing basketball, and then I had won a speaker's contest. And they paid me. And I bought all my books, and at the end of every semester, I'd sell those books, and I, I would make money. I sold every one of them. English, biology, all of that stuff that I didn't use again. And I got a windfall. And I won that speaker's contest by giving a speech that my mother wrote. <laughs> now, I didn't tell them she wrote it. And it's been over 40 years, and I'm not going to tell them now, but I'm not paying them back. I'm telling you. But mother wrote a speech, and she gave it to me, and I memorized it. And that speech was about the Statue of Liberty in the harbor in New York. And it was all about that inscription on the bottom. And I went over it and over it and over it, and I memorized that thing, and I got it ready to go. And I talked about, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses longing to be. You'd have thought a Baptist preacher was in the room. And I won the contest. 
And they gave me that scholarship. I've never forgotten that, not because I got money, but because my mother said that statue was important. And she said, you need to learn what's on that. Parents, no one's instilling that in your kids much anymore. You must do it even the more. If you're a citizen, do it. We have this horizontal, earthly citizenship. But now Paul, who is the one who said to honor and render and vote and be a part. He then said also he had a vertical relationship. Because the the preacher of Acts 22 wrote Ephesians 2 in verse number 9. Look at this verse, what, what Paul said, Ephesians 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow what? Citizens with the saints and are of God's household. To the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3 in verse number 20 said it this way, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But his best word, about this vertical citizenship is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It'll be on the screen, but I encourage you to turn over in your Bible if you brought one. In 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 18, listen to what Paul said in these three verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God through Christ has reconciled us to himself. They saved us. You were lost. You were going to hell. And Jesus came and lived and died and wrote and saved you, reconciled you to God. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, verse 19, not counting their trespasses against them. And he is committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are presbruto. Presbruto. It is the root of the word elder. Presbyterian comes out of this word. We are ambassadors, the text translates it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. God. Verse 21 goes on to say, it's not on the screen, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God is using us. It is through us that, that he is reaching. We've been reconciled. Now we represent God in the culture. Hmm. It's your job. If you didn't have anything to do, It'd be better if you just walked down here this morning, got saved, we baptized you. As soon as you went out, we just took a gun and said, Bam! Straight to glory. That's an upgrade. It'll be better than what you have for lunch today. Heaven will. But God doesn't kill us straight away and take us. He leaves us here. Why does he leave us here? You are ministers of reconciliation. God is reaching through you. See, when you came to Christ, God was using a human instrument to proclaim the good news of Christ unto you. And we are here as those ambassadors. How many of you are in this congregation of a 
younger generation. The first service was tipping toward an older generation. Now, this is a younger generation. All my college kids and youth sitting over here and up in the balcony. A lot of children. See, the culture's changed. Before you were born, America was one way. It is now a different way. When we went to school, we pledged allegiance. How many of you in this room have ever had a teacher paddle you? You should have seen the hands at 9.30. It looked like a forest. Oh, man, I remember. Bend over and touch the desk. And he'd take that paddle and he'd just rub it. I looked back and said, what are you doing? He said, just warming it up. Just warming it up. He wasn't warming me up. He was going to warm me up, but he was warming up the wood. And before I could get to the store, which was less than a quarter mile from the schoolhouse, some loudmouth girl had already been to the store and told mom and daddy, I got it today. Say, preacher, are you advocating doing that again? Yes. I am, but it ain't going to happen, so don't worry about it. I'm just telling you the culture's changed. Things are so different. Even when I became the pastor here in 1990, the culture of Pensacola, it is, it's almost a 180. You thought everybody knew a little bit about the gospel. Do you know that evangelicals in America today make up, and this is a liberal estimate, 15%, one five, 15 out of every 100. And that's stretching it. Most people think it's 10 to 12. You're in a culture sharing the gospel that's dark, dark. Light it up. That's our job. Be ministers of reconciliation. There are tribes all around us. There are tribes, tribes, tribes that are different. There are Muslim tribes in this city. Jewish tribes, a big Jewish populace. There's an agnostic and a militant atheistic tribe in Pensacola. LGBT, Q. That, that tribe is alive and well. So what do you do if you run into these different people? Show and tell. That's our job. You ever do show and tell at school? I used to do it when I was a kid. I used to have show and tell. Man, I could carry some cool stuff from the grocery store. I, I took a knife. You, you couldn't take a knife now. It's like a meat cleaver. Show and tell. Put out three fingers, you come back with two. All right? That, that's, that's a different culture. Long time ago. But the principle is here. 
our job as believers, we are to show and tell. Show and tell. Show the gospel, tell the gospel. Show the gospel, tell the gospel. You need to be prayed up, full of the Holy Ghost every time you walk out in this world because you never know what tribe you're going to run into. John Dickerson, in his book, Hope of Nations, uses the illustration of show and tell. He says when you show and tell, you first show the love of God through action. You get to know their language and custom. You build relationships, and then you Offer the gospel as the Spirit of God opens the door for you to do it. It's our job. We call it salt and light. We are to penetrate this culture as ambassadors, as ministers of reconciliation. Amen. Dickerson says, just think if you were appointed a missionary... To Papua New Guinea. He said there are two things in Papua New Guinea that you would face right off the bat. Number one is polygamy. Men have many wives. And second, cannibalism. So he said it's your first day on the job in Papua New Guinea. So they ask you what you're there for. What are you going to do first? Polygamy is a sin. That's probably not the best way to start. Cannibalism should not be. I'll be very careful. They may eat, they may eat you that night. You can start that way and some do and it may work. But I'm telling you, if you're going to penetrate a culture, Begin by showing love through action. Get to know their language and their culture. Build a relationship. One of our men shared with me this morning, he was running uh, in one of these, I don't know, I never run, but uh, it was a long distance deal, like five miles or something, 5K or whatever. And he said, we were just there, and there was a guy running next to me, and he shared with me. He said, we got to about mile three, and I got under conviction I need to speak to my running partner. (laughs) And so he began to tell him about the Lord and his church and invited him. And he said, the guy looked at him. He said, well, I'm married to a man, so I probably would not be welcome at Olive Baptist Church. He didn't know what to do with that. Kind of knocked him off his stride. So you got to get ready for those questions. You got to begin to share Jesus love like Jesus loved I mean what did he do with that lady that was married seven times and the one she is with now was not her husband (laughs) show and tell see if you're going to be a minister of reconciliation you got to know who your king is what your message is and then begin to love the people that you shared it with Amen. So I'm in Romania a few years ago. I've been many, many times, of course, as you know, as you've sent me there, and we have that relationship with Emmanuel School. And the first time we went, we waited over an hour to get from the Hungarian border into Romania, the line forever. 
And it got better than as years went by and it was easier and we got through. And then one of the last trips I ever took, I, I, I took our congressman with me. Jeff Miller went with us. We pulled up to the border. He flipped open a badge. They put us to the front of the line. Come on in. I'm like, hot dog. This is it right here. I, I said, I'm with him. We went. We got down to the next place and it was a government agency thing. And Congressman flipped open his badge and said, come on in. I said, I'm, I'm with him. They said, come on in. Hmm. Then unbeknown, I never knew that in Aradia, there was a UN military spot. Nobody ever talked about it, but Jeff wanted to see it. And he walked up to the door, flipped open his badge. They said, come on in. I started on in. They said, whoa, where's your badge? I said, I don't have one. They said, you got to wait in the outside. He'll come back and get you after a while. So I went and sat down. Did what I was told. See, when you are an ambassador, you're representing one nation and and you go, let me tell you, you represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You got a badge written on your heart that God will use to share the love of Jesus with people through your actions, through your relationships, and yes, with the gospel that sometimes becomes confrontational, and oftentimes those people reject you, and they don't have anything to do with you, and they just say no to you. How did it work out for the greatest witness that's ever been? They killed him. They may do that to us, but our job is to be a representative because he's given us the word of reconciliation. Hmm. I got folks that live around me that they are a lot different than I am. Liz and I try to love on them Encourage our neighbors. Go to their house. Sometimes invite them to ours. You are not responsible for the fruit. You are responsible for the faithfulness. If you got root, God will give fruit in due time. He's the one that saves. I don't. Our job is to represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Many of you have already seen this, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. Some of you are Florida State fans, and you're not going to like this. But this week, the Oklahoma Sooner ladies softball team won the World Series. And they beat FSU. And at the post-game press conference, they put three girls up at the microphone and ESPN asked them a question and they were not expecting the answer they got. (laughs) I could show you all three, but I just thought the last girl kind of wrapped it up in about 90 seconds, two minutes, something like that. I want you to listen to this girl. She's just won the national championship of women's collegiate softball and they've asked her about her joy and what keeps them going in the game. Look to the screen right here. In Christ, and that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And 
Um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And, I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for, and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home, and I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father, and I'm so excited about that. And, yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home, and um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our King. So. <laughs> And the director at ESPN is in the back room going. (laughs) She used the J word. Jesus. She said it's not her home, but she's going to be with her king. I'm like, come on, lady, give an invitation, take an offering. I'm mailing in money right now. Everyone in this room, if you're a Christ follower, you've been redeemed, you have a platform. I don't know what it is, but you got a platform. You work somewhere, you go to school somewhere, you show up somewhere, kids come to your house. You have a platform and you have to decide, am I going to be a minister of reconciliation and ambassador or am I going to get spiritual lockjaw and keep my mouth shut? and never give evidence of who my king is. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming back. And you're going to stand before him and give an account. Citizens. Citizens. We are ambassadors. Sent. You know, an ambassador is chosen. They're given authority. On an earthly plane, they can drive as fast as they want to and never get a ticket. That'd be pretty cool just to be that. They represent someone else in a culture that is not theirs. Friend, if you're saved, that's who you are. You're in a culture that's not yours, and you're to represent. And if a girl on a stage can do that, I'm telling you, you can do that. If you're sold out and discipled like she's been sold out, and she's been discipled, you can tell somebody's taught her how to read the Word and pray, and she's full of Jesus, then God do a work in her and through her. He'll do a work in you and through you. Some of you have never been reconciled to God. 
When we sing this song in a moment, I'm going to stand right here and I invite you to come out of that balcony around. It'll take you a moment. Just down these side steps, you come. Just take my hand. Give God your heart. We'll welcome you. Some of you, I had never seen so many visitors as we had last Sunday. I had a big stack. I called for two hours yesterday as I worked through those guests. And many of them said, we're coming back and we're thinking of being a part. Maybe today's your day to join this family. Maybe you're online today and never trusted Christ. And today's your day to bow and say, Lord, save me. I hope you'll do that. Trust him. Jesus came for you. Some of you are already saved and you're listening May God empower you to go and be on mission. Just before I pray and sing, these college kids over at summer, many of them, they start moving down here and sit down front. Listen to me. You know, I've told you, I've been praying for years and years and years and years and years and years that God sparked a revival on that campus at the University of West Florida. There are enough people that I think are saved that are sitting right here to bring Holy Ghost explosion out there on that campus. Am I telling the truth? Amen. I know it's not easy. But God's put you where you need to be. Some of you are at junior college. Somebody whispered, I'm at PCC. Some of you at state college. There's enough right here for God to use us. Amen. High schoolers, the same. Amen. You know, sometimes it gets a little funky when you start doing this. We, we our sports people wanted to put this uh, disc golf deal out here on the property. So they did. It's the number one disc golf course in the region right now. More people doing it. And they're coming and coming. And so we put a little sign out and said, we'll open at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. But some people go ahead and play on Sunday. So what do we do with that? Well, we don't go out there and tell them, leave. That's not the business we're in. We love on those kids. I drive by there every day. They're all over. It's like Ant Hill. I drive in and out Bob Davis way. I stop at every one of them, roll the window down, say, how's the course? They'll say, pretty good. He's really good. I said, great. I'm the owner and hope you like it. I never owned a golf course before. I, I don't know. I, so if it goes bad, I'll make Taylor the owner. Amen. He's the wreck guy. There's a thousand different ways just to make it known. Every one of you wanted one, got a track last Sunday. I gave them out and gave them out. You just go and share. Just love your neighbors. Tell your story. Just be heaven's citizen. If you don't have a passport, today's the day. Come be a part of the kingdom. Come be a part of this local church.